You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Dave's Corner Garage. Heard every Saturday morning from 10 to 11 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Gentlemen, start your engine! Triangle Tire, Tires for Life presents Dave's Corner Garage. The following is a paid program. Opinions expressed can sometimes be accompanied by hand gestures, which your sister may find offensive, but you think are hilarious. There's one in every family. Buckle in, everyone. It's time to get this show on the road. Time for Dave's Corner Garage, your Saturday morning joyride on Zuma Radio. Got a car query? Call now, 416-360-0740 or toll free at 1-866-740-4740. Yee-haw! Oh, that's a good morning, Al. Well, it is a very good morning. It, it sure is. Now, it's a, it's, a, it's, it's a good sound if you're taking off, you know, yeah. but, but you do get that same kind of sound when you're hitting the brakes quick. Sometimes, and that's not a good sound. No. No. <laughs> not no, a good sound. No, that's, you know, that's not one you want to celebrate. No, exactly. And we've got special guests in the studio just to talk about that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, we've got two guests in the studio. From Hostler, we have Tom Parbs and Devin Banks. Good morning, guys. Good morning. Good morning. Yeah, thanks for joining us. Oh, thank you for having us. Now, you recognize the sound, of course, of screeching tires, but we're talking primarily about accelerating, you know, and, and how it's exciting. And people, there's a car show, people like to listen, they, people are, love cars. We all drive them, we all use them, and, uh, and you've got some amazing products to uh, stop the opposite side of that coin, which is when people have to apply the brakes, hit the binders, bring that son of a gun to a stop, and that's only if they see them and hear them, right? Yes, that's that's very true. So a <laughs> uh, lot of vehicles on the roadway, a uh, lot of opportunity for better roadway safety, which is, you know, essentially what we're doing. Excellent. And you know what what's what I find interesting is we'll, we'll get into this in the show, but a lot of our listeners are going to find out that your technology is actually some of the stuff that they use on a daily basis. Yes, I'm pretty confident that many of your listeners and many of the folks out there are already experiencing our alerts and didn't realize that we're helping them get home safer to their families every day. Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, we have uh, we have our friend, speaking of traffic safety, we have our friend uh, from the Toronto Police Service, PC Sean Shapiro, joining us in a little bit. And uh, maybe Canada's most famous racing driver. Yes. James Hinchcliffe joining us later in the show. All the way from Hinchville? Uh, Hinchtown. 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 Sorry, sorry, he's the, sorry. He's the mayor of Hinchtown. Okay, I look dumb now. That's that's it's it's his thing. It's his thing. <laughs> Actually, what town is it? Is it Brampton? What Hinchtown? Hinchtown. Uh, I think it's wherever James happens to be at the moment. All right, I'm going to stop talking now because <laughs> I you know I don't have any of the right uh, answers. You know, it's, you know, he's he's larger than life. I mean, th- this year he was uh, he was uh, doing Formula One broadcasting mm-hmm. as well as IndyCar broadcasting. So he's uh, he's had a busy year. Multifaceted. Yeah, he's a cool dude. Well, most people that are into racing like all forms to a certain point. To a certain yeah, to a certain degree. And yeah, I mean, obviously, you don't know the all the minutia, and and certainly, and for example, I mean, I, I don't know who drag races, but certainly anybody who does oval track or or that kind of racing, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll know whether it's, uh, you know, whether it's Formula One, whether it's Indy, whether it's 
Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, last night I was at an event, and of course I'm I'm the car guy, right? And you know I've got my former racing, and someone comes up and said, "Oh yeah, I heard you're a racer and whatever." And uh, you know, my you know, whatever my relative does drifting. I don't know anything about drifting at all. <laughs> no, no, no. I, you're right. That's it's another form, but I I think it's much more of a show. Is it? Do they actually race each other, or are they just putting shows on for people? So the, the way the drifting works, at least in the competitive sense, is that it's judged. Okay. So it's not like a you don't me, you don't measure it by time or speed or anything like that. It's actually a judged sort of uh, situation, like a beauty contest. Uh, uh, yeah, kind of. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah exactly. Kind of yeah, yeah. I love the clouds. I love the rubber. I love the smoke. <laughs> but uh, yeah. uh, and, you know, drifting is a great thing for tire manufacturers, right? A hundred percent. Great business. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we want to hear the sound of that burning rubber. <laughs> more. It, it and almost more. sounds like the ka-ching, 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 right? That, that's right, exactly right, what right, it is. Right. Yes. All right. Well, we're going to take a break right now. We are going to be back afterwards with Tom and Devin. They're going to be adding all kinds of interesting information to our show. Um, it's going to be great. Stick around. It's going to be enlightening. All right. This is Dave's Corner Garage. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Dave's Corner Garage. I'm Brian Max here in studio with Alan Gelman and our guest Tom Parbs and Devin Banks from Haas Alert. And uh, before we have a, a chat about uh, road safety, we um, have to remind our listeners to uh, follow us on Instagram because when we get to 500 followers on Instagram, we're making a cash donation to Good Shepherd Ministries here in, here in the city. Yes, and um, Brian and, and uh, sorry, <laughs> that's Brian. Yeah, I'm right Tom here. and Devin. Sorry, I'm a little nervous. We have guests in the studio. You know, it's normally just me and Brian and Steve and and the hovering. Yeah, we, yeah, Steve hovering, but he's not here today. He's a little under the weather. <laughs> All right, they are from Haas Alert. Haas, what does Haas stand for? Uh, we always get that question. So um, technically, it's it's an acronym. Uh -huh. uh, it's also a play on the last name of our CEO and co-founder, Corey Haas. Okay, uh, which is spelled H O H S. Um, but, uh, you know, when we started back in 2015, when our company started, um, you know, the acronym was uh, Heedful Advanced Alerting System, or HAAS, H-A-A-S. Um, and then, of course, we do digital alerting, so HAAS Alert. And, and, and traditionally, of course, the type of alerting we're talking about is traditionally, you know, it was like, you know, back in the old days when a fire engine went down the street, somebody would be banging the bell, right? And, of course, we advanced to now sirens and uh, and all kinds of lights, but... Still, they don't necessarily work to get people out of the harm, out of, uh, out of the way of of taking care of, you know, emergency workers. Yeah, that's that's very true. So you know, it's it, there is, and you'll hear me say it a lot. There's there's a roadway safety problem. Um, unfortunately, our emergency responders, our first responders, you know, many times pay the price for that problem. Um, but it's also the motorists, like the listeners that are listening to the show when you're driving on the road. Um, you pay the price for that problem as well. It's not like anybody's out there doing it purposefully. Mm -hmm. um, but if you don't hear something, you don't see something, you just don't know. And, and often, um, you know, if you're a motorist on the roadway, if there's a fire truck responding or there's a tow truck on the side of the road, you often don't know until you are right on top of it. Mm -hmm. And that's generally when tragedy strikes. That's when people aren't going home to their families or being significantly hurt, vehicles being damaged. And, you know, it's it's not just a life or safety problem. It's it's a big economic problem for everybody. Well, and that's that's sort of how the company came about. We were talking earlier. There's an interesting story about how the, the company was founded. 
Yes, very true. So um, I don't know the year, um, but uh, so our CEO, Corey, he's one of our co-founders. Um, that's who I work directly with. And um, he was uh, the part of NavTech, Here Maps, right? So very much familiar with how things work in a vehicle. He's coming home from work one day, going home to his wife and was almost struck and killed by a responding ambulance, kind of mm-hmm. like the story right. that we were talking about earlier. And um and I don't mean hate close call. I mean, it was a near-death experience. It was a life-changing moment. And he wasn't mad at the emergency responder, but he was like, how did I not hear it? How did I not see it? And uh, our CTO, who's who, Jig, who's one of our co-founders, and again, his friend Noah, um, who's our chief marketing officer, again, the three co-founders, they started talking about this. And the more we looked into it, it it's a huge problem. And nobody in the world was solving for it. And so because of that life life-altering moment, Let's go solve this problem um, and make make the roadway safer. Let's go save lives. And that's where our company was born in 2015. Well, certainly during the day, you know, the lights aren't all that visible. First of all, you know, a red or blue light, you don't see it during the day. Um, and, and even the sound of the siren, if it's a couple blocks away, it's really not all that loud. And if somebody's got the tunes cranked on the radio, they're not hearing it. No. Well, not only that, but, but even, um, you know, again, we work with thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of fleets around mm-hmm. North America, so U.S. and Canada. Um, you know, you have to understand, uh, and, and again, it's not being done purposefully, but the vehicles, the automobile manufacturers, when they make a car, and it's been this way for at least 10, 15 years, and it's never going to change, mm-hmm. the automobile manufacturers essentially make uh, like the car that you drive mm-hmm. for your safety, not the safety of the responders that are out there. You are in a very quiet, comfortable, in essence, soundproofed bubble when you're in your car. Shut the car door. It's like, zoop, you're yep. in your own little world. And so when we work with many of these emergency responders, most motorists, they, they could be right behind them, ranking on the siren, and the motorist didn't even realize. And again, they don't have to have the tunes cranked up, but it, they could be talking to their kids. They could be listening right. to the radio. Mm-hmm. They could be having a hands-free phone conversation, and they just didn't know until... You're right, and, and again, that's where the accidents, that's where the injuries, that's where the deaths take place. Mm. And, it's, and it's common. There's a, there's so many cars that I drive that are very quiet, and then of course have thousand watt sound systems. Not that I, you know, I would listen to it cranked, but at a moderate level with these cars that are that have double pane glass that are super soundproofed, you don't hear anything from the outside. It it, it is incredible. The, the you know the the pickup truck I'm di- driving today is a little different story, but you know the luxury SUV I was driving last week. Couldn't really hear anything from the outside. Yep. All right, let's, let's just do a Reader's Digest version of what does the program do exactly. Let, uh, let me turn it over to Devin. Uh, she'll be happy to answer that for you. Yeah, so what we do, you know, we call it the safety cloud. And essentially what the safety cloud is is that when it's activated, it protects not just the responder but the people that they're helping and sends those alerts inside oncoming driver's vehicles. So all those drivers that are going to encounter that first responder it's going to create an audio and a visual alert inside their car. We are the only way to get inside those cars, like where people are listening to music, you know, inside that soundproof box. Now, it's not going to come through on my radio, correct? It, it can, it, depending on, so... Uh, mm-hmm. The year of my car and what, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. So, so we work very closely with the automobile manufacturers. So mm-hmm. one of our first automobile OEM manufacturing partner is Stellantis, which mm-hmm. owns the Chrysler Fiat brand. So. Right. Uh, in those 2018 and newer models of Chrysler, Dodge, Jeep, Ram, and Alfa Romeo, mm-hmm. if you're just driving along, so think as native as a seatbelt alert, 
driving along, listening to the radio, could be listening to Dave's Corner Garage. Uh-huh. And if you are going to encounter, when you're about 30 seconds from encountering uh, any responder or any any first responder that has safety cloud, mm-hmm. will actually kill your radio and provide an in-vehicle tone, like a boop, boop, boop. And then it'll flash up on your dash and say, there's a tow truck ahead. There's an emergency vehicle appro- approaching. A work zone is ahead. Oh, that's amazing. I didn't realize. I thought, you know, because we talked earlier, of course, and and everybody uses Waze or Google's Maps, or, or a lot of people do, unless you drive like a an old car or <coughs> an old person who hasn't sort of kept up. <laughs> um, because I, I, you know, my car is old. It's 20 years old. I don't have it on a screen, right? Right. Um, right. But but if I had my phone on, it would work. Yes. Yeah, and we'll, we'll get into that in a little bit, I think, and, and uh, explore that. It's very cool technology. All right, speaking of sound, this is a, this is a warning sound for us. Yes. To say, hey, guys, got to stop, got to take a commercial <laughs> break. So we're going to go do that right now. And after the break, um, we're going to be with uh, our friend Sean Shapiro. PC Sean Shapiro. Who's going to talk about, you want to get high, high, high. Well, you're going to have to pay a high, high, high price if you do. That's right. <laughs> we'll be right back. Welcome back to Dave's Corner Garage. I'm Brian Max in studio with Alan Gelman and our friends from Haas Alert, Tom Parps and Devin Banks. And on the phone, uh, not in studio, we have PC Sean Shapiro from the Toronto Police. Sean, how are you? I'm doing well, but I feel left out. It's warmer where you are. Uh, it may be. Are you outside? I'm in my car, parked safely at the side of the road. <laughs> <laughs> well, but in fact, we were talk- just talking about that. Just being on the side of the road isn't necessarily a safe spot to be. And uh, I imagine you yourself have probably seen where, uh, you know, you, you had your lights on and, and you wondered, how come this guy is getting so close to me or almost hit me, right? Well, I'll tell you, when, when I'm in a police car and, uh, and doing a vehicle stop on a highway, I get back into the car, I put my seatbelt back on because I'm waiting to be hit. It's not, a, it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. Wow, that's horrible. All right, well, we got folks in the studio who are trying to sell everybody their equipment and their services to, to avoid that. All right, but we're going to talk about winter driving. We're going to talk about, what, what do you got on your list? On my list, well, we wanted to talk about impaired driving. It's that season we start talking about uh, ride program, which is, you know, there's a, there's a misnomer. People think this is the only time we look for impaired drivers. Uh, ride season's actually all year round, mm-hmm. uh, but we talk a lot about it because there's, you know, more opportunities to be social, more opportunities where people have that celebratory drink and they think it's okay to drive home. Sometimes now with people having a, a celebratory smoke and, you know, they're, they're both illegal and we're charging people on a regular basis for being impaired by drugs or alcohol when behind the wheel. Do, do you mean, is smoking a cigar illegal? Cigar, you're safe as long as there's no THC. We're talking about marijuana. Ah, okay. Uh, of course, or any right. other illicit drugs. Uh, uh, but marijuana being that it is, uh, it, since it's become legalized, it is now, uh, we've seen in Canada, although not specifically in Toronto, across Canada, an uptick in drug-related or impaired-related fatalities. I wonder why. I mean, because do you think that a lot of more people now are indulging or smoking, or are they just being a little bit less careless or more careless? It, it's a really good question, and I was talking to my friends from Turf, the Traffic Injury Research Foundation, mm-hmm. and you know they they have stats that just say that there's an uptick. In terms of why it is, it's a really good question. Uh, I think that there's there's more of a belief that it's okay uh, now that it's legal, so more people are partaking, and it's and it's it's different. It's not like uh, you you can you can take a, a breathalyzer and know just how good you are. Not that people are driving around with their own breathalyzers, but uh, it, it's it's something new for people. Before they were hiding it better, uh, and now they're they're a little more liberal about it. Oh, I, I smell it in traffic from time to time. Well, and, I, and in fact, as much as it's legal, it's illegal still to to smoke it in the car. 
you can't even have an open package of it inside your vehicle. It's, it's similar to that of driving with alcohol in your car. Mm-hmm. You can have an open bottle of alcohol, open and resealed, so no longer factory sealed, in the trunk of your car, away from the driver. But if it's within a driver's reach, it's illegal. Uh, you can't uh, consume it, of course, yet people are driving around smoking cigarettes. And mind you, people still believe it's okay to drink alcohol while they're driving. They're not the, the driver, and that's not the case. You cannot consume any of those inside of a vehicle, whether it's parked or driving. Now, of course, if you're set up to do, uh, you know, to do the testing, to do, um, uh, you have all the equipment with you. But when an individual uh, police car sees somebody driving crazy, he doesn't have all that gear on him, does he? So we have officers, all of our officers, in fact, are trained in uh, standard field sobriety testing. That's all the officers from TSB and many officers from different divisions uh, can can. To have you perform a battery of tests, mm-hmm. and if you perform poorly, uh, and if we don't believe it's alcohol, we will uh, we, we can arrest someone uh, either for impaired driving there or for have a drug recognition officer demand made where we bring it before a specially trained officer to go through another series of tests, uh, and they will also do a uh, a breathalyzer test to exclude alcohol as a possibility. But at the end of the day, they are capable of determining the family of drug that you are impaired by uh, while you are operating that vehicle. So, unfortunately, you may have to spend two hours at the side of the road until that second car shows up then, eh? Oh, it's much faster than that. Uh, <laughs> oh, good. Are, That's good service. <laughs> uh, and and the, the truth is, we, we see this all the time. And you can, be, you can be charged for impaired driving. You can be convicted of impaired driving, even if you're below the legal limit. Uh, because impairment comes in many different forms. And if you're impaired by drugs, even if it's, it's, it's provable that uh, you weren't over, let's say, over 80 with alcohol, uh, you may still be seeing the, the, the results of impairment. I wonder myself, you know, so many people now are on, you know, antidepressants and other kinds of drugs like that, um, which are legal, of course, but, but when mixed, of course, with alcohol or THC, um, is, are they not going to be amplified and really, really, really mess people up? They are absolutely amplified, and that's one of the reasons we see, uh, I, I think, more issues right now is people have, uh, you know, some marijuana and then they have some alcohol, and the, the effects, like you said, are, are, are uh, multiplied. Now, when, uh, when we talk about prescription drugs, mm-hmm. still drugs, even though they're legal to consume, you, you can't be driving a vehicle when you're not able to safely operate them. Uh, and, and you can be charged if you're under the influence of drugs, even if they were prescription drugs. Yeah, I mean, like, you get really messed up. I mean, you're in some type of anti-anxiety pill, and all of a sudden, you know, your friends decide to twist one up. I mean, you, you know, we're, we're in a normal situation, you know, let's uh, <clears throat> pretend like I, I've never known, done, done this before, but um, you know, I've taken, only took two hits, and all of a sudden, like, I'm falling down, you know, um, where it gets amplified by those other drugs, eh? Also, there's people who are buying drugs, and they're not buying them through, uh, you know, approved government vendors. Right. They're possibly buying something that could be mixed or laced with something beyond that of what they thought they were taking. Mm-hmm. And they could have serious, serious effects, uh, not only to their health, but because they'd be more uh, impaired than they, they expect to be. Uh, but that aside, uh, there's something that I want to bring up about uh, impaired driving. Uh, mandatory alcohol screening is something that's been around since 2018, but many people aren't familiar with it. Mm-hmm. If you're pulled over by police, you may be required uh, and, and called upon to provide a breath sample, even if you aren't someone who's been drinking, even if we have not established suspicion that you have alcohol because you didn't say it and you didn't smell it, uh, but we will test everybody. And in doing so, we find a lot of people who are, uh, you know, they have minor amounts of alcohol in their system, but they're G1, G2, or novice, or, or young drivers, and they can't have anything in their system, and they're getting suspensions for that. All right, Sean, we got to run. If somebody thinks someone else is impaired, how do they report it? Call 911. It's an emergency. All right, my friend. Thank you very much. Have a safe Thank holiday you. season. You too. All the best. All right. Appreciate you joining us. This is Dave's Corner Garage. We'll be right back.
Welcome back to Dave's Corner Garage. I'm Brian Max in studio with Alan Gelman and our special guests, Tom Parbs and Devin Banks from Hostler. And of course, I got to remind you, follow us on Instagram. When we get to 500 followers, we're making a cash donation to Good Shepherd Ministries here in Toronto. I want to take our hats off to our friend Jamie at uh, Abrams Towing because Abrams is a user of Haas equipment, correct? Yes, very, very much so. So it's been amazing working with Joey and with uh, Max and the whole team there. Um, we have a fleet of probably 200 of their tow trucks that are mm. equipped with Haas Alert. Um, mm. They take s- safety extremely seriously. It's important to them. Um, you know, it's 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 part of their business. It's how they protect their employees. But also, right, if you break down and have trouble, you know, they they want to they can protect you on the side of the road as well because again as a disabled motorist you're at extreme risk of being hit by oncoming traffic and it's not that you know other folks are doing it on purpose they just don't know you're there until it's too late and that's when people don't go home to their families well I, you know i was thinking about it on the way down and i said you know what what normally causes these accidents or, or collisions to happen it, it's usually it's dark uh visibility is poor um that's why the accident happened in the first place well, now you have a perfect recipe for that, that second collision because it's still dark. The, the darkness didn't yeah. go away. Yes, <laughs> you know? Th- those conditions didn't change. No, no, exactly. So that, that's when you're most at risk. Yeah, so, and I'll clarify. So if you look at the data, right, what the data says is that about two-thirds, or actually, no, about three-quarters, 75% of the collisions and accidents that take place with not just emergency responders, first responders, like hitting a tow truck or a fire truck or something like mm-hmm. that, but about 75% of those accidents take place during the day when the sun is out on a straightaway road. So you would think, well, why didn't they see us? But right. you have to understand what's going on. So distracted driving and speeding are the leading causes, the, the biggest causes of injury and death on our roadway today. So if you're in a car doing 120, 130, 140 kilometers, over 30 seconds, you're probably gonna you're probably gonna go about 800 meters, or you know, and as we would say in the U.S., about half of a mile. Right. And it happens like that. Um, and so, when you're listening to the radio, when you're having that, we uh, uh, the the police officer the uh, was just talking about, you know, impaired driving. What many people don't realize is that even in hands-free mode, when you're having a phone conversation, driving a car, it's the equivalent of driving with a .08 blood alcohol content. It's like driving impaired. Right. And often. You know, so you have to think of the cognitive or the brain distractions, the visual distractions. So those, the scene of the primary accident, the heartbreaking and the secondary collisions that happen, um, you know, that then you get those heartbreaking and those secondary accidents that take place because there was a first accident. Um, you know, talking to your passengers, your kids in the back seat, shaving your face. You know, if you ask your friends, do you drive distracted? Everybody will tell you no. And this is something that Devin and I talk about all the time. Mm-hmm. But if you ask your friends the same question, but just word it differently, do you multitask while you drive? Then most people will say, well, sure. Of course. Because they don't think it's dangerous, just like the gentleman was just talking about, oh, well, I just had a beer or I just took a puff. I'm okay. And in reality, you're not, right? So there's a lot that's going on inside of this bubble that we were talking about. And before you know it, you're on top of somebody. It's absolutely true. I've been teaching racing driving for a long, long time. And one of the things that we talk about in in that environment is that this idea of multitasking doesn't exist. You're actually shifting your concentration from one task to another. And and the brain doesn't work that way. We like to think it does, but it doesn't work that way. Um, Your safety cloud is something that you provide to 
different vehicle fleets, whether that's a company like Abrams Towing or first responders. But as drivers, we experience what you guys do in a different way. And I'm a, I'm a, I'm a Waze hardcore user. I use Waze almost all the time. Certainly used it on the way down to the show this morning. So how do users experience it exactly? Yeah, so just like you, I use Waze every day. Um, and I also used it to come down here today because we live in Toronto. And we never know what's going to be between our destination and uh, where we're coming from. So as a Waze user, you would actually experience it. So let's just say it is Abrams Towing has a vehicle on the side of the road. Um, and to Tom, like what Tom said, about 30 seconds or about 800 meters before I would even see that tow truck, I would get a message over my Waze that would actually say, Abrams Towing on scene, slow down and move over. And and what we is so great about these alerts, too, is that, you know, and uh, if PC Sean Shapiro was back here, he could tell us that most people actually don't even know about the slowdown and move over laws. In, yes. in the States, the AAA stat is 71% of Americans. So we can take that as maybe 70, let's just say 71% of Canadians don't even know that they're supposed to slow down and move over. So what's great is not only do you get the alert, which breaks through that bubble that we've been talking about and grabs your attention, but it also tells you exactly what to do. And, you know, I work with a lot of towers, and I'm sure you guys talk to tow truck drivers sometimes, and one thing they'll tell you is that every single tower has picked up someone out of a out of a lake, out of a farmer's field. A guy in Louisiana said he had a guy lost in a sugar cane field. You know why? Because when their GPS tells them to go left, they go left. Sorry. <laughs> 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 so when it tells you to slow down and move over, what do you think people do? They slow down and move over. Which is a good thing. Which is a good thing. Yes. <laughs> Well, hopefully the move are on the right side of the street. I mean, um, what 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 happens in that situation? Um, I mean, you're telling them to move over or there's an accident in the head, but uh, does the message specifically tell them if someone's northbound or southbound or... No, so that that's a good question. So, you know, when we're alerting today, we're just using the same things that everybody is using. So to Devin's point, like Waze is an example, which is owned by Google. A lot of people don't realize mm-hmm. Google bought Waze in 2013 for $1.1 $1. 1 billion U.S., mm-hmm. uh, so that's what... 90, a lot of money. 90 billion Canadian dollars. I'm only joking. Um, I love the exchange rate, by the way, being an American here. It's, yeah. it's been a great, yeah, isn't a great that time. Nice? Um, but we're using the stuff that they're using already today, right? Be it Waze, be it, you know, we're native in OEM vehicles like the Stellantis, you know, Chrysler, Dodge, Jeep, Ram. Um, so we are confined, if you will, to how the alerting partner actually alerts. Mm-hmm. So we can't change. So most people listening that have, have ever used Waze or Apple Maps as an example, or they've gotten that, hey, watch out, there's a hazard ahead. Right. So that's how we're getting that alert to them. And then we, and being one of a very small handful of organizations that is a direct, absolute truth for these alerting partners. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of companies will try to come to us and say, hey, we want to be with Apple or we want to be with Waze. And we say no, because it's not roadway safety. But um, so we can actually say, hey, CAA road assist is up ahead. Uh, Toronto fire is responding. Please slow down, move over. So you got to remember, everyone talks about awareness. We are awareness to the T. We are in the car. We get your attention. And that's all it takes is just a second of attention to now, oh, there it is. And then the common behavior is they will slow down and move over. So to, like Devin talks about, a lot of people don't necessarily know the law or what they're supposed to do. We're positively impacting and creating positive driving behavior. So think of your seatbelt alert. When that audible or visual alert goes off in your car, what do you do? You go, oh, and you your physical habit is to put your seatbelt on. And that's what we're doing 
to get people to slow down and move over. So even those folks that may not have gotten the alert will start seeing people slowing down and moving over, and they'll do the same thing. And then the people behind them and the people behind them, like, we are, it's amazing how something this effective yet so simple is making a difference. So it's a fire, whether it's emergency ambulance, whether it's police, tow trucks, roadside assist, work zone. Um, we're even working, we have partners that are uh, working to put chips inside of all the civilian vehicles. So that if you do break down and hit your hazards, mm -hmm. they're connected to safety cloud and we'll actually start protecting those disabled motorists while they wait for help. Now there's other, we were talking earlier about accidents that happen and, and, and to whom, and, and a lot of times you said construction workers, for example, can get whacked. Yes. So when you think of the responders uh, or road workers, mm -hmm. um, I think it's every 15 minutes a work zone or construction, a road construction worker is, is injured or killed. Um, every six days, a responder like a firefighter or a police officer or a tow truck operator is killed statistically. Um, however to the motorists, just normal folks like you and I. And again, no one's out there doing crazy stuff, just normal, every mm -hmm. day, going to work, going to school, coming home. Every seven minutes, a civilian motorist who is disabled in the roadway is injured or killed. Every seven minutes. So when you talk about, you know, not, not just a, from a safety, like a life of let's protect bodies, let's get people home safer to their family, it's it's not just a an injury or a death problem. It's a it's a very big economic problem, and you'd be surprised that like literally just getting the alert, paying attention for a second, slowing down and moving over, like the ripple effect it has on roadway safety. And so it's a solvable problem. I mean, there are accidents, and then there are preventable collisions. Accidents are accidents; they happen. Um, that is life. Mm -hmm. But the majority of the problem that we have on the roadway that is impacting everyone that's listening and our hero road workers are preventable collisions. And that is what I think we can get in our vision zero. We can get that to zero. Yeah, I wanted to, we're going to be back in a few minutes, but I just wanted to talk quickly as well about uh, the cost because it's a huge cost in terms of financial, uh, you know, lives and injuries. But the cost to actually put in the service is so minimal. Mm -hmm. uh, we're going to get to that after the break. Well, after the break, actually, we're going to be talking to James, James. Hinchcliffe. Yes, yes, we are. Yes. Famous Canadian racing driver. <laughs> Inch down. <laughs> but there's one more afterwards, and we will get back to it. We will indeed. This is Dave's Corner Garage. We're racing right out of here right now. Welcome back to Dave's Corner Garage. I'm Brian Max in studio with Alan Gelman. And joining us today is old pal and uh, famous Canadian racer, James Hinchcliffe. James, how are you? I'm very well, sir. Yourself? Not too bad. One of the things uh, you're doing, I mean, you spend a lot of time in the U.S., but you're helping out some uh, Canadian friends with uh, iRacing for the Kids, which is a charity sim racing event coming up on January 11th. What's your role there exactly? Doing some driving? How are you helping? Yeah, well, unfortunately, this year I won't be doing any driving. I'm, I'm going to be out of town on the uh, the date that we landed on. But, you know, last year the event was a blast. Uh, everybody had a lot of fun. It was very well received. We exceeded expectations for fundraising. And so we figured, hey, if it worked once, why not do it again? And this is in support of the Sick Kids Foundation, which is you know, a big thing uh, here in this part of the world. Sick Kids was a, was a, a huge thing in my family. My sister had a, a really bad accident. Uh, actually, it was with a horse. Uh, horse riding accident when she was younger and sick kids were 
the ones that really kind of put her back together and gave her back to us. So, you know, when, like I said, when the idea came up and Gary pitched it to me, it was pretty big, no brainer on that side. And it's a bummer. I don't get to drive this year. I'm, I'm kind of taking grand marshal duties this time around. So helping, you know, just with recruiting some drivers and organizing a little bit and, and doing a bit of fundraising, so to speak. And uh, yeah, and I'll, I'll be watching. I won't have a sim where I'm going to be, but I'll be uh, I'll be watching online for sure. Well, it's it's going to be interesting, and you know, with the the drivers, the the pro drivers who've registered so far, a bunch of great names, lots of lots of well known Canadian drivers, and uh, we've had Mark Wilkins on the show to talk about this mm-hmm. a little bit. But there's tons of well known Canadian drivers that are participating, and if I understand it perfectly. When a sim team sort of organizes, they register, they have the ability to choose a pro depending on their their level of donations that they raise. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, we've got a list of pros that have signed up and, and big thanks to all of them for, you know, donating their time and, and participating in this. And yeah, basically the highest bidder gets first pick. So do you want an, ex- an experienced sim racer on your side? A guy like, uh, you know, Dan Morad or something like that, or Robbie Wickens or... Do you want, you know, someone maybe you've heard of, but isn't that good on a sim, which would be the category I'd fall into if uh, if I was running this year. That was sort of my mantle last year, but it's a cool way to do it. And we were just blown away with uh, with how much we were able to raise last year. So hopefully more of the same. Absolutely. And you look at at some of the drivers, I mean, you know, Daniel Morad, I mean, who who better? to drive with, but Dan, I I wish I could pay to have Dan on my team. That's how I, (laughs) yeah, yeah. No kidding. I racing for the kids is January 11th. So if you haven't registered and you're a sim racer, make sure you get out there and do that. So I'm encouraging experienced sim racers to join. Yeah, it's a, it's a competitive group. If, if you sign up, I mean, it's all for fun, right? But I encourage everyone to sign up, but definitely, you know, expect some stiff competition. There are some, there are some really good teams that we saw, you know, in the, in the race last year. I've enjoyed seeing you on television on all the broadcasts uh, this year, especially on the F1 broadcasts. And how was that working in Formula One relative to what you've been doing in, in IndyCar? Obviously, watch IndyCar as well, but Formula One's a big change from IndyCar. I, it isn't, it isn't. You know, that's that's the funny thing. I mean, yes, there's a lot more money spent. There are you know, a lot bigger operations and organizations involved. The cars, you know, a, a different breed in a sense, but they're still single, single-seater Formula cars. And when the lights go out, it's just like the green flag dropping. You know, it's, it's the same, it's the same fundamental thing just with you know a couple key differences i would I, honestly it's 95 percent the same job it's just five percent difference and some rules and some things that the cars can and can't do or, or things like that but uh you know what a cool experience what a cool opportunity to get to uh jump into the formula one world for uh for a few races and i was yeah i did have a little bit of an imposter syndrome you know that first weekend because i I've never driven the car and there's a driver analyst. So it seems, it seems a little counterintuitive, but luckily, you know, Alex Polo, he was running FP one for that, that first weekend of mine in Austin. Mm-hmm. And I could just pepper him with every possible question that I could think of. He was so, he was so gracious with his time about it because I was just trying to learn as much as I could. Like, okay, in this scenario, what's happening or and how does the car behave in this way? Or what changes would you make for this? And that way I could at least try to get some of that information across, you know, to the viewers at home, which is ultimately what what my job is. And, uh, you know, I had a great partner in, in Julian Palmer on that broadcast uh, from the driving standpoint, and he could sort of fill in the blanks that I <laughs> I didn't have personal experience on. It was cool to see, you know, how many messages I got from people, especially back home, actually, uh, in Canada that were watching through F1 TV rather than, you know, on the Sky broadcast. And uh, yeah, it was it was awesome. Hopefully I get to do some more of it next year. I definitely enjoyed seeing you on the, uh, on the F1 broadcast, but you've been doing IndyCar now for the last year. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's kind of got that opportunity off the back of, you know, a 
full season of, of broadcasting with IndyCar and NBC. And, you know, what a fun year it was to get to do that. You know, a, a crazy championship battle. I think six cars were still eligible going into the last race to have that kind of spread across the field, you know, after, after 17 races was pretty impressive. And, you know, working with Lee Diffie and Townsend Bell and, and the whole crew at NBC was it was just awesome. You know, there's such a professional bunch and we had a blast, man. We had a blast and had some really exciting races, even at tracks that historically are sometimes kind of boring races. <laughs> we we got lucky and, and all the drivers put on a heck of a show for us and for all the fans, I think. If the opportunity strikes, would you be prepared to jump back in an IndyCar? Uh, I think only the 500. You know, I, I think I've, uh, I've I've closed the book on a, on a full-time IndyCar campaign. Did it for 11 years. Had a great run. Had a lot of fun. You know, proud of what we accomplished in that sense. You know, the one big one that's obviously unchecked is a 500. And um, if the right opportunity came up, for sure. You know, but I I had some chances to run it this year, to be honest. And they weren't operations that I thought really gave us an honest shot at winning. And I didn't just want to be a field filler and just collect another starter ring to throw up on the bookshelf for the heck of it. So uh, there's you know, still some conversations ongoing and you know, I'm sure there will be for a while. But uh, yeah, if, if that right opportunity presents itself, I would have no hesitation to jump back in and, and go for Indy. Right on. Well, that's that's kind of what I thought. And, uh, you know, I think I think we'd all love to to see you there. Yeah. Well, everything for me is at Hinchtown, um, yes. all the social media handles, Hinchtown.com, things like that. But yep. yeah, no, we'll uh, we'll see. And uh, we're going to see you uh, on January 11th on uh, iRacing for the Kids, which is iRacingForTheKids.com. So make sure you register. And then uh, if uh, if you're not participating, you can watch online. I think it's going to be on Twitch and Rev TV and, and all of that stuff. And I'm sure you're pretty stoked to be able to support this endeavor. Yeah, 100%. It's, it's, uh, it's exciting. I'm looking forward to it. Like I said, it was a good show last year. So even though I can't, I can't be in it, I can't participate, I'm really excited just to watch it because it was a heck of a race. <laughs> James, thanks for joining us today on the show. Really appreciate it. Looking forward to iRacing for the Kids on January 11th. You're listening to Dave's Corner Garage. We'll be right back after the break. Welcome back to Dave's Corner Garage. Got to thank our pal James Hinchcliffe for joining us. And uh, don't forget to go to iRacingForTheKids.com. Benefits to Kids Foundation. It's a very cool event. And uh, like James, I suck at, uh, at sim racing, so I'm not driving, but I'm still supporting the event. Uh, yeah, I, I, you know, I, you told me that, but I, I watch NASCAR, you know, good old boys, and, and they say they spend so many hours in the simulator, mm-hmm. and, and they've got, you know, the, 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 the upcoming racetrack in the simulator... Mm-hmm. So they they and they study it and they spend hours, but it's it's a little different. So when you're sim racing, it's uh-huh. it's a it's a different thing. I use a sim to prepare when I'm when I'm driving. Right, like if I haven't been to a track in a while, but um, I don't do the actual wheel to wheel competition in a sim because I would I would lose. Mm. Okay. In, the, in the real world, I'm a little bit better. <laughs> Good to know. All right, before the break, we were talking about the cost of the Haas system, and uh, it, obviously in terms of saving lives and, and medical expenses and all the rest of it, it's, it's peanuts. And it, and it actually is. What, what does it break down to? Yeah, so I'm going to let Devin answer that. She'll, she'll take it home for us, no pun intended. But mm-hmm. I, I just want to clarify something. This is something that we have proven. This isn't like a cool idea, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe 2015 we started the company. It started as a great idea. But it's proven. We work with thousands upon thousands of fleets. We have alerted billions, that's with a B, billions of alerts have been processed. Mm -hmm. We know and have proven, and government agencies have also proven, that when you add us on your safety tool belt, remember, we're not replacing anything. We just want to make lights work better. We want to make 
um, you know, um, high vis and cones and just all the safety stuff that we've been trying for years that mm. we people are still getting killed. We just want to make that better. So when you add us to your safety equation, we reduce the risk that that injury, that accident, that collision, and that death happens by up to ninety percent. Wow. We also, when you have lane, uh, you know, lanes blocked, when you have that scene of that first accident, if you have you know traffic queuing and stuff like that, when you add us to your safety tool belt, Hose Alert will reduce those secondary crashes and heartbreaking incidents at least eighty percent or more. And then, of course, you know, people ask. Well, will the driver actually slow down a mover? What we've proven, and we've done this, like so, our our you know National Highway Travel um, mm-hmm. you know, Transportation Safety NHTSA proved that within the first second of a motorist, and they took the most distracted driver within the first second of that driver getting the alert, their average speed was reduced at least twenty five percent. Perfect. Which is exactly yep. what they want. So yep. this is proven billions of times over. So let me turn it over to Devin about how ridiculously inexpensive this is. <laughs> Yeah. And, you know, well, for all of us who are on the roads in Toronto, if you're using Waze, which, you know, everyone should be using Waze. And I always make the joke, um, you know, I work with a lot of U.S. tow companies and say, you know, I have to use Waze every time I leave my house. Have you not seen Heavy Rescue 401? Like, have you not seen what I'm up against (laughs) when I leave my house? Yes. Uh, So you're definitely sure to be using the Waze app. And then for, you know, we actually integrate with a lot of stuff that's probably already that our first responders and tow operators are using, um, or we can provide them with a device. But either way, it could be anywhere from just a few pennies a day, um, less than you know, less than a penny per call, up to less than a, a cup of coffee at Tim Hortons. Because Tim Hortons is expensive now. I'm going to say that. I don't want to say Tim Hortons. I'm going to say <laughs> well, so even way less than a cup of coffee. <laughs> so, for example, you know, you're a small-time you know paving company, Joe's, yeah. you know, and you get a small municipal job where they want you to patch. And you're thinking, well, I, you know, I, that's, that's a big fancy thing. I can't afford it. You can't afford to lose that worker. You can't afford to lose that vehicle. That's right. And and the cost is peanuts. That's right. Yeah. And yeah, and you know, not only can they not afford to lose that worker, there's a shortage. Mm-hmm. And, and maybe you know that because in the racing world, it's probably the same. Mm-hmm. You you can't get parts for these trucks. You can't get trucks. So if you are a small time operator and you lose that truck, it, you're not getting it back. It mm-hmm. could be 18 to 24 months before you get it back on the road just because you cannot fix it. There's no parts. I think you boil those numbers down to what? A, a buck, a buck and a half a day. Yeah. That's all it costs. Or less. Or yeah. much less. Yeah. yeah. So, th- so think about that, right? Yeah. So a fire apparatus is mm-hmm. about, well, U.S., about $1 million to about $1.3 million right. U.S. So you're investing a dollar today to protect that $1.1 million apparatus. Your tow truck. Your average tow truck, even just like a, a flatbed, is going to be about a hundred thousand dollars when it's fully upfit. Mm-hmm. You're talking a dollar, like worst case scenario, like a dollar U.S. to protect that today. Then you have to ask yourself, um, you know, what do you lose? Like, how much pa- taxpayer dollars are you spending because the fire truck was hit? Or you told me a story about the ambulances that you see at the Correct. mechanic yeah. that are hit all the time. That's not cheap to fix. But most importantly, how do you put a price tag on somebody's life? How do you send your firefighter, your police officer, your tow truck employee out and say, your life's not worth a dollar to me? Like, that's what we're talking about to make sure somebody goes home safer to their family. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, a lot of people are like, such an amazing service, we should be charging more. I get it. We just want to get people home safe to their yeah. family. So when we get everybody, right, with the ability to alert, the public, it's free. You just use the stuff yeah. you already use, you're going to get these alerts, like Devin said. But we're not talking a lot of money here. Mm-hmm. And generally speaking, for a lot of our, you know, our fire police, even our tow truck operators, uh, you know, the CAA, we work with many of the clubs as well. If I just stop one truck, 
just one. I don't mean saving life or anything. I'm just one vehicle from being damaged. Mm-hmm. We've probably paid for ourselves for decades. Yeah. If we've saved even one more life, we've paid for ourselves for generations. All right, we're going to have to wrap. Now, if people want, uh, you are a heavy equipment operator or a tow truck business. How do we get in touch with you guys? Yeah, so you can uh, come. I think the first place you'd start is our website, which is hasalert.com. That's H-A-A-S-alert.com. Um, you can also email me directly. It's Devin. That's a D-E-V-O-N at hasalert.com. Or you can reach out to Tom, and he's T-O-M at hasalert.com. And uh, we're always happy to have the safety conversation. It's what we what what gets me out of bed in the morning every day. I love it so much. It's such an honor to work alongside so many amazing people. Yeah. So construction, work zone, school bus, street sweepers, snow plows, police, fire, ambulance, tow, roadside assist, construction, work zone, utility. <laughs> yeah, you name it. Right. Mm-hmm. If you work yeah. the roadways, we can get you home safe to your family every day. That's right. And and uh, trash workers too. Yeah. Tra- yeah, you know. <laughs> Especially ones that work on Bryan Street. Apparently, it's dangerous. It's over a, there. My street is. It's, 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 it's like a, it's one block, and it's dangerous. All right, I want to thank PC Sean Shapiro for joining us. And where do we find Sean? Uh, he's voiceover cop on most social media platforms, mm-hmm. and uh, he's super popular on TikTok. He has a regular show, though, doesn't he? Yeah, he's got a regular show. Every every morning he goes live, uh-huh. and uh, and you can you know you can call in, you can uh, text him a message, and he'll answer your questions about traffic safety. He's good, you know. And people people call in, you can ask any old question to ask the cop a question, and that's his segment. Is yeah, it? and he he answers the same questions frequently. <laughs> <laughs> uh, hate to sound repetitive, but uh, did, yeah, 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 yeah. Don't speed. Exactly. Yeah, yes. And uh, if, if you're, uh, I know it's legal now, you can smoke marijuana, but don't be driving your car. Yeah, don't smoke and drive. No, not Apparently, we, we can smoke cigars and drive. That's what Sean said. <laughs> and I want to thank uh, James Hinchcliffe as well. Hinchtown. And uh, they're raising money for? Uh, the Sick Kids Foundation with iRacing for the Kids. It's iRacingforTheKids.com. The event's January 11th, and it's, uh, it's pretty cool. A lot of famous Canadian racing drivers are participating as uh, sim racers, and uh, all the proceeds go to uh, Sick Kids Foundation. And don't worry, Brian said it's iRacing, but it's not him racing. Okay? No. Because no, he no. told me he's not a very good sim racer. <laughs> no, I'm not. <laughs> all right, and thanks to Carlos as well. And enjoy yourself, everybody. Have a good holiday coming up. Holiday season's coming. That's right. Yeah, drive safe. Drive safe. And and remember, when you're hitting that party, you may see the safety party decided a road. That's right. Yeah. So everybody should be using ways. And they may get... not be as, as 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 charming as Sean either, eh? No, definitely not. Definitely yeah. not. But uh, yeah, use ways because hostile alerts come right through to your ways on your phone. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> All right. Take care, everyone. Enjoy your holiday. Bye bye. This has been an exclusive podcast of Dave's Corner Garage. Heard every Saturday morning from 10 to 11 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM 740.